0: Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. What a beautiful throw by the Baker. Big job. Hasta la vista, baby. Thumbs Welcome to Browns Film Breakdown. I'm your host. Burns, writer over at the OBR, coming at you guys late, uh, late what is now Monday morning, um, as we sort of tried to digest and process uh, whatever the hell happened in in Denver. And um, yeah, I'm as, I'm as dumbfounded as you guys are. I think this game, you know, the Browns, I thought were talking a good amount of talk about uh, being prepared and, you know, not taking... Uh, Brandon Allen lightly and understanding this was the start of what could be a second half turnaround and um, frustration is is the word, but also sort of numb to it. I'm getting there. I was already there early in the year when they missed so many opportunities, uh, missed so many chances, and uh, I'm I'm still there with this group to the point that I'm not mad per se, um, but, but I'm just frustrated and numb and and, uh, and let down you know i I feel like if I care more than the players care which I feel like that is the case sometimes um, then 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 that that's just wrong it's it's misplaced I know some of you are you know fans fanatics and I am too I love this 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 franchise I have since I was a little kid but uh it's a vicious cycle and they're doing the same things over and over again and I said just a little bit ago on Twitter that You know, 2018 was the ultimate tease, that last half of 2018, because that was about the first time I can recall since Shanahan in 2014 before it all fell apart with Hoyer there at the end of the year. But that was the first time that I felt like, I should say Mike Petten, too, he was the head coach, is they were better prepared. They were playing better situational football. They weren't the ones getting, you know, silly penalties. They were taking care of the football. They were tackling better for the most part and then I just felt like for the first time in a long time like my team that I was watching that I cared about was actually the better coached and better functioning team now you know that could have been a large byproduct of the situation that was at the end of last year where you know um, they they played some some teams that were really beat up but they were doing the little things, and it was encouraging, and you felt good about it. And the offense was sort of turning itself around. And um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. That's that. That was uh, twenty eighteen was the ultimate tease because we're right back to uh, those those uh, Hugh Jackson sort of feeling days here with this team. And let's just uh, let's go through it. Um, you know, the Browns only ran Nick Chubb twenty times for sixty five yards. Baker Mayfield ran three times for twenty two. Uh, the run game. I thought Denver put a clear emphasis on staying run-fit sound, staying in their gaps, not allowing Nick Chubb to do that beautiful sort of press and release, cutback, stuff that he's so freaking good at. And I thought there was a couple opportunities for Nick Chubb that he missed that we'll try to highlight, but um, I thought Denver just played fundamentally sound run defense and tackled really, really well. And Nick Chubb was not... Um, not a big factor. No touchdowns, like I said, twenty for sixty-five. That's a good job by. It's um, a good job by Denver's defense. Uh, you know, Mayfield was twenty-seven for forty-two, two seventy-three, and a touchdown. It's not terrible. It's fine, but uh, you know, forty-two attempts for two seventy-three. You'd like to see more production yards-wise. There's a, there's so much to write about Maker Mayfield. There's so much to cover. You know, with where he is, and he still seems so helter-skelter back there. His eyes continue to feel like they're going to the wrong place post-snap for defensive weaknesses. It's just a feeling I can't fight. I have some takes on where he's going. You know, I think that we all thought Baker Mayfield was a scheme-transcendent quarterback. I don't think that's necessarily the case here. I think it's proving itself that he is not a good fit for this scheme. And, um, you know, this isn't – just because a guy is not scheme-transcendent like I think Deshaun Watson is becoming or – um you know Patrick Mahomes obviously is and so on and so forth they can operate Aaron Rodgers they can operate within Russell Wilson so many different um approaches attack styles you know you know Baker is not that guy right now maybe he becomes that I'm not by any stretch giving up on him and my point is not to bag on him I don't think you have to be a um you know, let me let me say, I don't think you're a throwaway quarterback if you have to find the right scheme. Like Lamar Jackson's having a fantastic season. That's because he's operating within a scheme that carried over from last year and they're very good at, and he fits it. And that's why he's playing well. I think Kirk Cousins found a scheme that fits him very well. I think Jimmy Garoppolo, a scheme that fits him very well. I think Baker Mayfield has to find the scheme that he fits very well in, and this is not it right now. And then whether that's – um. The style, the approach, where they want his eyes to be, how they're teaching or coaching him, it is not working. He is not the type of guy to put the team on his back right now. And again, like I'm saying, this is not an indictment of his entire career. I'm just saying there is uh, something amiss, and it involves where his eyes are going. It involves his feel for throws. He's, he's, He's rocketing some throws that just need some touch. He did a little better with check down stuff today, but he doesn't have the touch that we'd like to see. Um, And uh, there's just no cohesiveness. And and that no cohesive or lack of cohesiveness manifests itself, you know, for this entire offense in terms of balls that don't get caught. When you have talented receivers, you know, balls that aren't getting caught and, um, you know, guys in the wrong place at the wrong time. Targets-wise, Jarvis Landry had a whopping 13 targets and it's still an alarming stat that between when when uh, Mayfield targets Landry and, and Beckham, he has, I think now we'd have two touchdowns since Landry scored. Two touchdowns and eight interceptions on the year, which is which is pretty confounding. But anyway, Landry has a whopping 13 targets, only six catches from 51 yards. He did score a touchdown. Antonio Callaway had four for 56. One of those came on a screen for 41 yards. So Beckham had only six targets, five catches, 87 yards. Still feels like they're not taking any deep shots downfield, putting any third-level stress on the defense, and that is just just—it's um, making everything about the field seem small and compact, and it's a problem. Uh, Nick Chubb catches four for 26. Demetrius Harris, three for 25. Rick Caciles, Jones, two for 12. Defensively, uh, five tackles for Mac Wilson, four for Joe Schobert, four for Morgan Burnett, three for Larry Ogunjobi in a sack. Mack Wilson gets a sack. Olivier Vernon gets a sack. Miles Garrett has three tackles. Um, we'll get to the defense, that effort. Um, you know, on, on Denver side, Philip Lindsay has only nine runs for 92 yards, a 10-yard per carry average. He had a 40-yarder and a 30-yarder. The 30-yarder he broke for a touchdown. Royce Freeman, five carries, 15 yards. And, um, you know, Allen had five carries for 13 yards. Allen was 12 for 20 for 193 and two touchdowns. Chunk plays. 75 yard touchdown to Noah Fant, 40 uh sorry 21 yard touchdown to Cortland Sutton where he goes up over top of Denzel Ward and makes a miraculous catch the Noah Fant touchdown just an embarrassing level of um <laughs> just an embarrassing level of effort tackling and they deserve to give that one up but the thing that's amazing is Noah Fant goes uh four targets, three catches, 115 yards, and Cortland Sutton has 5 for 56 in a touchdown that's really it significantly um for for what Excuse me, for what Denver did offensively is looking at the team stats. Um, Cleveland goes for 21 first down to Denver's 13. Um, Denver only faced nine third downs, they only converted three of them. Cleveland out yardage them 351 to 302. Cleveland ran 30, 30 more plays, 73 to 43, um, which is pretty amazing. They, they were out rushed, but Cleveland. Threw for 100 more yards. They only had five penalties so one of their better penalty output games. They didn't turn it over. So if you told me the Browns are going to have five penalties, zero turnovers, and run 30 more plays offensively, you would imagine that your team would win. But they only scored one touchdown to Denver's three. They kicked four field goals. And, um, you know, they had the ball for 11 more minutes. And you can't kick field goals. The Browns are are very anemic in the red zone. There's There's no creativity. And when the creativity gets done, it's pretty obvious where that creativity is going to go. And that is a problem. Uh, Before we continue talk about drive-by-drive stuff, I want to talk to you guys about Untuckit, which is really a fantastic company. And with the holidays coming up, you know what that's going to mean anyway. It's going to mean gifts. Hopefully you can get an Untuckit as well. But, uh, you know, there's no better gift to give a guy in your life um, than that stylish shirt that fits just right. Unlike most brands, Untuckit shirts are actually designed to be worn untucked. Untuckit shirts always fall at that just perfect length no matter the size so that everyone yourself or whoever you're buying for looks casual and sharp nobody likes to buy that button down that when you take it out of your pants to just wear that casual shirt it hangs down to your mid thigh looks ridiculous that's what untuck it is here to fix no matter your shape no matter your size untuck it will always fall at the perfect untucked length that's important with more than 50 combinations Untucket shirts look great on tall, short, slim, and athletic guys of all ages. That's 50-plus fit combinations. I'm a boxy kind of fellow. I think that this shirt really does well. they're tall, they're slender. I'm sort of a a, a more of a square type of guy, and they even developed a shirt that fits me really well, and um, I didn't quite think that was possible. So you can find your favorite Untucket style online or check it out at one of their 80 brick-and-mortar stores. Choose from styles like wrinkle-free button-downs, super soft flannels, Outerwear and more. With Untuck It, your shirts will never look baggy, bulgy, too long, or too big again. And their website is easy to use. They even have their own whole page devoted to helping you find your fit. So, whether you're shopping for the perfect holiday gift or just trying to craft a smart, relaxed style of your own, Untuck It is the way to go. Visit untuckit.com and use the promo code BLUE for 20% off at checkout. That's UNTUCKIT, U N T U C K I T.com. Untuckit.com and promo code BLUE for 20% off. So let's talk about the structure of the game. Um, I thought Cleveland came out pretty flat, uh, as to was to be expected. Uh, early in the game, if you look at uh, the playlist, they uh, they give up a long. You know, they come out and give three and out. <clears throat> to which Cleveland comes out, does their own three and out situation. They give the ball back to Denver, and then on third and eight, you get a long scramble, which was so frustrating with the second defensive line and when a guy like Brandon Allen. You got to keep him in the pocket. He can run a little bit. And if you let him break contain for something silly and get nine yards it's just it's frustrating. then they throw a ball for nine yards um, uh, a couple actually a couple little throws there that get him down to the uh, Cleveland 40 and a Cortland Sutton 19 yard catch on a slant where he bullies uh, Denzel Ward with a push off there at the end just buries him and then he catches a, I mean it's just a full-on moss. Uh, tight play touchdown. It's just tough watching Cortland Sutton because I was so high on him. When I was writing briefly for cover one before I came to the OBR, one of my few draft profiles was about Cortland Sutton, who I gave a first-round grade to and just thought the Browns would take him there in the second round. And when they passed on him uh, for for a running back, Nick Chubb, and then Austin Corbett, that was extremely frustrating because I thought he was going to be a heck of a player. And he is a full-on wide receiver one for... Denver, which is, you know, it's never fun to see. Anyway, the team's trade uh, punts back and forth to end the first quarter. Cleveland comes back out uh, between their punt, getting it back, getting a 12-yard gain. They end up kicking a field goal to make it 7-3. Denver then gets it back, uh, 12-48 left in the second quarter. All they do is just run a simple play-action dig to the tight end, uh, one in which Adarius Taylor does a terrible job covering after the play-action fake. And that you know talk about play action fakes and how bad the browns are at selling the run. I'm eventually really right on this, but they're anemic at selling the run. They don't commit to the play action concept at all. They don't sell it. No easy throws happen as a result of it. And when you have Nick Chubb in the backfield, you know, it's pretty unfathomable to uh to think about how poorly um you know, you you have to be running play action to not fool people with how good he is. It's, uh, it's kind of crazy how glossed over that is about the offense. Anyway, after the Noah Fant catch, terrible tackle event, uh, I guess effort, by uh, Jermaine Whitehead, and I'm not going to talk about that guy. Hey, listen, you're a pro athlete, man. You're under the microscope. You're going to get praised when things go well, and you're going to get scrutinized when, uh, when things go poorly. And if you have rabbit ears, and you're just going to chitter-chatter and respond to everybody, and then you're going to go out and threaten shooting people. Um, you know physically fighting people hey listen if the Browns want to condone that that's on them I would expect there would be some sort of release this week because a the guy's playing terrible football and b he's doing embarrassing things on social media in a public manner Um, just ridiculous stuff that that's been going on all year Brennan Leister uh, had tweeted out earlier in the year some stuff um about about Whitehead's terrible PFF ranking and he responded with some inappropriate stuff and talking about wanting to fight people and he's he's searched his name all year and uh this is sort of the culmination of all of that that guy should not have a cell phone if he plans on being in the NFL. I don't think he should be in the NFL, but that's just me. Neither here nor there. Also on that 75-yard Noah Fant touchdown. Yeah, we're still talking about that. Um, Greedy Williams with an, uh, I don't know, just extending his arms, looking like he has no interest in tackling Noah Fant. And anyway, Noah Fant runs 75 yards down the sideline, and it's a touchdown, 14-3. And uh, I had to step out of the room for a little while. Anyway, Cleveland gets it back, goes on a 9-play, 64-yard drive, all the way down to the Denver 12, where, um, you know, on first down, they only run for 3 yards. Second down, they run again for 2 yards. It's 3rd and five. And uh, they throw a pass to Callaway on a looks like a little glance route right off the left side. Nice play is made on the football. That's fine. Um, you know, at the end of the day, that that's that's quite hard. There's a nice 16-yard run by Mayfield. I like him being a little more willing to run occasionally. I think that's only going to help him extend drives. So uh, that's a good trend, I guess. But anyway, they kick another field goal. Denver gets it back. They fumble, so Cleveland gets it back. I think the. The fumble was made by Joe Schobert with a heck of a rip out from, um, I think it was Spencer, I could be wrong, uh, who ended up stripping that ball from. But a hell of a play. Cleveland gets it back at the Denver 18, throw a nine yard pass, run on, um, you know, second and one down to the to the I think the Denver four yard line, and then the thing that's so frustrating is they try to run wide zone off the left edge and it's negative five yards. So you're on the four yard line. They try to run to the perimeter from the five yard line, lose five yards. It's first. Sorry, it's second and nine, which is second and goal from the Denver nine. They throw a seam route to Demetrius Harris, who just drifts out of the back of the end zone. I don't know. I, I I'm not, I'm not entirely sure why he had to jump, push out, jump. You need to jump straight up so that your momentum only carries you so far. He didn't do that. He goes out of the back of the end zone, and then they throw, um, you know, a throw a ball to Jarvis Landry on third down. That is incomplete, and another field goal takes place. It's 14-9 here late in the second quarter. Denver um, is a, again able to, uh, um, you know, move the football due to a long. They get it. They they first play from the Denver thirty-two. They break a forty-yard run on just a simple. Um, I think it was just a simple counter scheme. They bend it back from the gun. Uh, you get no fill from Mac Wilson. It's 40 yards, so they're down to the Cleveland 28 now. And um, they end up going three plays and, and you know, kicking a field goal. But that's, with two minutes left, 17-9, Cleveland gets the football, <clears throat> actually marches down the field, getting it all the way down to the 19 and then all the way down to, uh, I think, eventually the uh, Denver 12 where they end up kicking Nice little two-minute drive to get three points there before the half. And I thought they found a little bit of a rhythm, 17-12. I thought they were going to come out and handle business in the second half, but they end up not doing that. Coming out, punting. I didn't catch a ton of some of this intermittent stuff where my YouTube TV kicked out. I'm trying to watch it, but um, you know, Game Pass has decided that they don't want to put the, put the game up yet for a rewatch. But I can tell you that it was pretty frustrating, um, especially early in the third quarter when they're just not executing again. And, um, you know, they finally get it back at the 11-minute mark. Go down the field, a matter of uh, um, uh, getting the football down to the Denver 33 and eventually the Denver 14 here late in the 3rd 7:31, A couple nice throws, one to Jarvis Landy for 19 yards, Demetrius Harris for nine yards. They get it down um, third and three. They, they run Dontrell Hilliard on third and three. Gets two yards you, Nick Chubb's on the side. I don't know. Maybe the altitude is messing with these guys. Not entirely sure. 5'23", Mayfield does a nice job sort of stepping back. Those those quarterback sneaks are a challenge uh, because sometimes teams really do pinch the A-gaps and take that away. He did a nice job stepping out and going right, but he didn't extend the football. I thought he got it to the naked eye, but he, in fact, did not get that first down. So, um, pretty frustrating because it looked like his forward progress was there, but you know, you're running, um, you know, I, I can't think of a ton of quarterback sneaks Mayfield has pulled off in his career, including time at Oklahoma. So um, <laughs> the breaks of the game, I guess, I, you'd like to see that football in the hands of Nick Chubb, but either here nor there, I guess, is that plays one that I'm sure will haunt them this week. Denver gets it back. They just, they pull off <laughs> some more throws to Noah Fant. The Browns haven't been able to cover a tight end since, you know, George Bush era, maybe even Bill Clinton. I'm not sure. They can't cover tight ends, and it's not difficult stuff. They're 16-yard throw to Fant, 10-yard throw to Cortland Sutton, another 24-yard throw to Noah Fant, and then Phillip Lindsay breaks that uh, run for 30 yards off right tackle. Chad Thomas gets called for illegal use of hands. He's a court. The fact that Chad Thomas is still on this roster and, and they traded Jannard Avery is just downright laughable. But Denver goes seven plays, 95 yards to take a 24-12 lead. I thought the game was over. Uh, Cleveland decided that they actually wanted to put together a um, sort of a coherent offensive sequence helped out by some penalties but nonetheless they go nine plays 76 yards to cut it to 24-19 including a nice 27-yard ball to Odell um, that was in the middle of that they did get the third and seven back shoulder Chris Harris pass interference then I think they hit Jarvis Landry on a a quick little pick play for a nine-yard touchdown. And I thought, okay, they're going to figure this thing out. They end up getting Denver to go three. Uh, I think Denver gets a couple first downs, but they end up getting them uh, to punt at the 45-yard line. Uh, seven minutes left, enough time for a good drive. Uh, they complete a nice dig to Odell or a slant. I'm not sure. It's something uh, working inward. He double catches, but he gets a 39-yard gain out of it. And, um, you know, Cleveland finds himself at the Denver 34. A couple of... Um, uh, you know an incomplete pass to Landry they get a nine yard run but then they <laughs> this is a tough sequence it's third and one and they're running off the left side to a two tight end set um nobody I think Denver had nine guys ten guys in the box and they leave the back side unprotected and um Denver's pretty damn good safety Justin Simmons just rushes off the back side edge and and um you know, brings them down for a negative three yard loss. There's just nobody there to block the back. They they didn't motion anybody in. They didn't do anything. And <laughs> I just it's dumbfounding. I don't know if Mayfield has the ability to change plays. I don't know. I, I don't know any of that stuff, but I'm I'm just I'm dumbfounded that they wouldn't have any better creativity in such a predictable, predictable run situation on third and one. Then Cleveland comes back out and we notice a, a problem that keeps happening. And again, shout out to Brendan Leister, who pays close attention to this stuff. Sometimes with my little guy in the living room and going crazy, I can't always do that until the rewatch, but um, he noted earlier in the game that Antonio Callaway covered up the tight end in an empty set, meaning you can't have uh, to one side of the football multiple uh, eligible receivers on the line of scrimmage. One can be on the line of scrimmage, but two cannot. And Antonio Callaway covered up somebody. I think the Browns got called for a penalty or took a timeout early in the game, but then the same thing happened on that third that that timeout that Cleveland used late, uh, I think it was their last timeout, because they they used one of their other timeouts on the challenge there on the quarterback sneak. But Odell Beckham covered up the tight end to his side. Both were on the ball, and that's why Jarvis Landry called timeout. I just can't fathom how NFL teams are doing this. I was coaching high school football. I was irate at my players who would do this, that this is the high school level, and they they figured it out. How NFL teams are still – are still struggling with this Um, basic rudimentary stuff as to who's on the ball and who's off the ball it's pretty amazing I saw them do it again when they were punting they had the motion man that he was on the ball they had to make him step off to go in motion to uh to help block on the on a punt there's just they're missing it at every level they're not tackling well there's no base level of knowledge that is consistent within the offense uh, they 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 commit silly unnecessary penalties for no reason at all. I don't know. <laughs> it's extreme. It's extremely frustrating. Then I'm writing about that fourth down play um, to uh, to to Jarvis Landry over the middle. I'm I'm not entirely sure. I thought when I saw Jake Trotter's cool little ESPN graphic about player movement that it looked like a mesh concept. When I watch it again, it looks like Demetrius Harris is running some sort of square in. I I can't tell what the concept is, whether it's just square in with a flat under Jarvis Landry's routes deep. Those two are pretty much running into each other, which uh, I, you know, if I thought if it's a mesh, there's usually a high and a low guy. There's there's two high guys there, and um, <laughs> it just looks it just looks it just I don't know, it doesn't look like it should look. I mean obviously he has Odell Beckham up the left sideline and he can take that throw if he wants it. He actually looks there first, um, and then before he comes off it, he comes off it before he before it's noticeable that Odell beat Chris Harris. But um, on fourth and four, I don't blame him for thinking that whatever they had over the middle field, whether it was mesh or whether it was a shallow with the square in behind it, I don't know. But it just it looks it looks clueless. It almost looks like they don't know what they're running, and Mayfield is a little tardy with throwing. If they're if they're running a a little pick play uh, to the right between Callaway and and Landry. It's open right away, but Mayfield's not looking there right away. If they're running some sort of middle of the field action, it's thrown too soon because you want those two to cross pass before you throw it. Um, I, I don't know. It's just it was a disaster all the way around, and here we are talking about a fourth and four play that they should have completed and 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 ended up going down the field and taking the lead, but they don't. And then uh, second and nine, Philip Lindsay comes out at quarterback in a Wildcat situation. I don't know. The Browns just didn't notice it or what, but they they, they play the, the running back and, and on this mesh point that they're running just a simple read scheme with a pulling tight end to lead for the quarterback pull, which in this case is Philip Lindsay, the running back, and they don't play it. Olivier Vernon crashes down inside, and it's an easy pull, and it's an easy i don't know 14 15 yard run and then it's a two minute warning and the game's over so to me that's the perfect segue to my favorite company that we have had work with us here at uh at brown's film breakdown in the blue wire podcast network which is manscape support for blue wire comes from manscape who's number one in men's below the belt grooming manscape offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels you like that that's a rhyme i wrote it if you care enough about taking care of yourself below the belt, you know if you've used anything other than a precision tool, some accidents may occur. Nobody wants to have that. I'm not saying I've had an accident of that nature, but I'm saying they happen. That's all I'm saying. That's why Manscapes redesigned the electric trimmer. Their lawnmower 2.0 has proprietary skin-safe technology, so this trimmer won't nick or snag your nuts. It's a serious thing. They're taking care of you guys. Manscaping accidents are finally a thing of the past. And you're going to love this thing so much you're going to want to use it all the time. But I'm telling you, try to avoid using the same uh, razor that you use on your southern region there on your face. That's an accident nobody wants to have. So Manscape also has the Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. You already put deodorant on your armpits. We don't talk about this enough, but we should. We should. You should put some deodorant down there where it helps as well, especially after shaving, taking care of yourself. Why aren't you putting deodorant on the smelliest part of your body? This is the offer we got for you. Get 20% off and free shipping with the promo code BLUEWIRE at manscaped.com. Again, always use the right tools for the job, and Manscaped will take care of you. Again, get 20% off and free shipping with the promo code BLUEWIRE at manscaped.com. That's 20% off. With free shipping at manscape.com using that promo code BlueWire. So I don't know where I'm at. I don't know. Um, I, I think it's still too early to fire Freddie Kitchens. I I don't. I I'm not calling for anyone's head. There there might be some uh, heads that roll. There might be a, a coordinator that's fired uh, if they if they move on from Steve Wilks because the defense is underperforming. Al Holcomb, who worked with him in Arizona, was a linebackers coach here in Cleveland has DC experience. He could be an interim guy. Tosh Lapoy, obviously defensive line coach worked at Alabama as the defensive coordinator under Nick Saban. Maybe he gets the call. I don't know. Um everything's on the table. That they're two and six. They're uh they have one more win than the Miami Dolphins, which is just crazy in the Red in the Washington Redskins. That uh you know, it's just uh it's frustrating. It's extremely frustrating for uh, all of these fans who spent invested significant amounts of money who uh who have who have come into this year with an unbelievable amount of hype. I was at those training camps. People are as hungry as they have ever been for a winner, and 2018 gave us this idea that uh, that a winner was on its way. Maybe, maybe the end of 2018 was the worst thing that could happen for this team. Maybe they um, became a little overzealous and they moved on from a strong safety that they need. They could use him on this defense in Jabril Peppers. They gave away a lineman that they could use. They brought in a wide receiver, a star wide receiver who – they're not using him the correct way. Maybe Mayfield, who targets Jarvis Landry a high number of times and loves throwing to his tight ends, doesn't need a big-time wide receiver to do well. Um, you know, doesn't need that pull that that where is that wide receiver in the back of his mind type of thing. Some quarterbacks aren't built that way. Um, maybe he's one of those guys. I don't know. And you know, Olivier Vernon's been a nice addition, but could they have found that player on the market for 15 million that they're paying him this year and next? I Listen, there's a lot of unanswered questions, and there's the more that this thing suffers, and the more that the quarterback looks confused, you know, and the more that um, you know, his his second year cornerback who he took fourth overall is regressing, all of it is in play, and it's all on the lap of John Dorsey, the Austin Corbett pick, the 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 trading away of Jannard Avery, it's all there, and it's all in John Dorsey's lap, and and rightfully so because he's the one who hired Freddie, he's the one who um. You know he's the one who gave him the keys to this whole engine, and it's 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 uh I can't be mad at Freddie because Freddie was as ready as Freddie was going to be, and somebody had to vet whether that guy was the right guy or not and I'm concerned whether John Dorsey did all of that, did his due diligence, and brought together the best idea. look this is hindsight stuff, but this is what you have to talk about when it when it when it doesn't work out, and right now everything that you're frustrated with should be in the lap of John Dorsey who referenced real players and wanting real players and then let two running backs go to the Texans who was, who are big parts of what they're doing down there. Darren Fells has become a phenomenal target for Deshaun Watson, you know, whiffing on a couple of very important picks and then trading away a very good player. Uh, the day took in the 5th round and Richard Higgins disappearance and total regression from a really big contributor in the offense last year to just being a no-show non-factor. Um, I don't know. It's all in the lap of John Dorsey, and there are big questions that need answered, and if the results don't change as the Browns are facing teams at home, it's going to be a hostile environment Sunday if they don't play well. Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not looking forward to where this could go. I'm not looking forward to punching the reset if that is something that has to be done, um, but I'm worried. I'm really worried, guys, and it's, uh, it's tough to write and tough to follow these guys right now, so we'll do our best. I appreciate you guys. We'll come at you later this week. We'll talk about where the bills are. We're gonna have some great guests from uh, some close some close contacts of mine who cover the bills and do a great job. So I'm looking forward to moving on there, and hopefully, I said it a few weeks ago, maybe even this week. I don't know. You get it. You got to get to five and five or six and six. If you can rattle off four wins in a row, teams have turned it around. Um, Somehow magically found it. The schedule aligns to allow Browns opportunities to do that. Um, we're just going to have to see if they can turn it around. Though they still control their own destiny. If you can get to six and six, got to win four in a row, which seems like an impossible hill to climb. But you never know. Maybe they figure it out. We'll see. I'm not. I'm not saying the season's over, but it certainly does not look great right now. So we will come back later this week. Talk about the Bills. Get you ready for that. And um, you know, we'll stay up. We'll stay positive as we can. Uh, talk about what happened this week couple days this week it'll be on the obr I appreciate you guys following appreciate you guys link linking up and uh, getting on the youtube channel appreciate you guys getting on um you know the uh iTunes podcast stuff and giving me reviews there all of that stuff is greatly greatly appreciated hit me up on twitter any questions any comments anything like that you know that appreciate you guys and go browns